0: This next amazing guest is a woman that is not even is, has fast become one of my favourite women that I know. She is Lail Stone, who if you remember, which I know so many of you will, was back in episode 35 where we spoke all around aware and conscious parenting. Now, if you haven't listened to that, oh, you don't need to listen to that to listen to this one, but do go back and listen to it because that is to this day, one of the most popular episodes that we've had on this podcast. So I knew I had to get her back and for very, very good reason. This episode, we talk all about birth trauma and Lael is someone who is extremely uh, knowledgeable in this area. She is a birth educator. Uh, She has done Um, postnatal care. She works with couples through pregnancy birth. She's been a doula, a calm birth practitioner, a a postnatal trauma counsellor. And it was something that I actually picked up on in our very first episode. And even though she's now gone into creating and starting her own primary, primary school, Woodland Primary School, which is open and absolutely doing huge, amazing things, Uh, She, I had to get her back on to talk about this because it's something that I'm very passionate about. It's something that uh, I love. I'm not yet a mum. I talk about that on the episode, but just making sure that women are empowered in their choices and sovereignty in all ways. So it's a very big, necessary, emotional conversation that I really hope that you take some space to listen to. It could bring some things up for you. Um, I would recommend listening in a space that you feel safe in that if emotion does come up, then you can allow it because I think as we talk about in the podcast episode, that is really going to be the beginning of healing, I hope for you. Now, I want to also say that Lael, <laughs> we talk about birth trauma. I ask her how women that may have suffered it, which is an inordinate amount of women, can they how they can heal it. And she goes through uh, uh, an incredible amount of resources. She doesn't once talk about her own. So I want to put it at the very beginning, Um if or it's more so about she actually has a program birth.com.au. I'm putting it in the show notes as well so if you go into the episode notes it's going to be linked there but this is all about knowing what you need to know for a positive birth. So it's Australia's leading online childbirth education program. Um, So although we do talk about you know, birth trauma. She also very much talks about if you're not yet a mom or you're into your, you know, second or third or thinking about babies, how to also have a very empowering, educated, just badass birth as well. So um, if you would like, I would highly encourage it. I know it will be the course that I do when my time is, um, when and if my time comes up. But without further ado, enjoy more of Lael. You're listening to the Anything Goes Podcast. My name is Morgan Richards. And my name is Anna Richards. We are the husband and wife duo in business together who plan on bringing you conversations and inspirations each and every episode. Our mission is not just to motivate and inspire you, it's to push boundaries and challenge the status quo. We aim to bring you humour, depth, differing of opinions and more. But one thing we can promise you is this is the podcast where anything goes. Welcome back, everybody. I feel like, seriously, Lael, like this would have been the most anticipated return of a guest that we have ever had on this podcast. You will have seen it, but honestly, hands down, from a statistical back-end perspective, your episode has been one of like top two of the most listened to episode that we've ever done. And that's be like amazing but also the most shared it just went absolutely off and I've never had so many beautiful mums and women just people in my inbox saying sharing their stories with me and I'm sure you would have had it as well probably lots um (laughs) but just saying how they cried they sobbed the whole episode and they had aha moments and so yeah I'm so excited to have you back Mm thank you it's so
1: lovely yes i got a lot of love from that podcast as well and it was amazing i think because it um well it just it, i think it, it tapped people into a, a lot of questions they often have around parenting or around our education system or around just who it is to be a mother in this modern day and age and i think women are really looking out for it saying hey what is there and how can we do this better
0: yeah beautiful yeah. Mm-hmm. now When I had you on the last episode, we talked about, well, we talked about conscious parenting really in the end, Uh, Mm. but I really wanted to get you on because also you had just, you were like weeks from starting Woodline Primary School Mm -hmm. and you've done that now. So how Mm -hmm. is that going? We're not talking about it, (laughs) but like, I would love to know how it's all going.
1: It's been amazing. It's been so intense. It's like any new thing you begin, You, you know, when you have a vision of how it is and then the implementation of the vision is the next piece which which brings challenges and I knew that when we opened the school we were going to just kind of hit the ground running and go okay let's see what happens so it's been extraordinary and I think um, you know we've been open for a term now and I mean people who come and visit the school now go wow it just feels amazing not like you've just opened you know and I think that's a lot of credit to the staff and the team that we have around it but also you know when you open a school that's based on emotional intelligence and where you welcome feelings You know, what I realised pretty early in is there's going to be a lot of feelings, (laughs) a lot of feelings from the staff, from the kids, from the parents, but amazing because what we've built is the most incredible or what we feel is incredible safety for people to be where they need to be. So we see it as a triumph when a child feels, you know, we had this beautiful little one walk into our principal's office and just say, Claire, I really need to have a cry. And Claire, who's our magnificent principal, is just like, yes, darling. And she just sat there and had a cry. And then they had a chat and she just did what she needed to do in order then to go back to class. And every time I'm at the school, I look out the window and I see kids climbing trees and I see children running around without shoes on. And I see them able to go and see our pony. We have a pony called squeak that they can come be with if they're feeling, you know, they're feeling like having a hard time in the classroom, or if they need to jump on the trampoline because they're, you know, they've got stuff going on in their bodies. Or what I'm seeing is some incredible stuff happen around children knowing that they're safe to be who they need to be and also to to drop into what their body's needing so their minds can learn. Um, so it's been extraordinary. It's been amazing growth. Um, I think all of us have learned a lot in it since we opened and we will continue to learn a lot. And you know, for me, this first year is so much about what works, what doesn't, how do we stay open, what do we have to unlearn, all those incredible things. So it's been amazing. Yeah, it's been, it's phenomenal and and I can really see the impact of what this can be for education, you know, around the world, but also just, you know, for our little school and what we can move on to. I can, I'm just, I really do sit there and see how profound this is.
0: Oh, I don't know what it, no, I do know what it is about you, but I'm sitting here misty-eyed already and I just said <laughs> on my Instagram stories, I'm like, I'm interviewing Lael, they're going to talk about birth trauma, so that's what we are talking about. Uh, and I was like, I'm probably going to cry. And I remember on our last interview, just just the conversation, I'm not a parent, I, I maybe one day plan to be, and I got so emotional consistently and then just as you were talking again about jumping on trampolines and a child coming, I get so emotional, but I think it's because you create this container and you've done this. I, I haven't been there. I'm, I'm 100% coming next time I'm down in Victoria. But you do, you create this container as this sovereign woman just to, it's like I feel safe in your presence. So as you're talking and you're sharing things, I'm already emotional. <laughs>
1: Oh, I do often I love say it. that to my, my friends often say that to me. They're like, if you want to cry, just ring yes, Lael. <laughs> <I laughs> <don't. laughs> oh, well, I just, you know, for me, I, I think my heart is so much about, um, wanting people to feel safe you know the reason why I've done all the work I've done over all the years I've worked with families is you know I have a bit of a saying I want to be able to speak for the kids for the kids mm. who can't speak up for what they need for the, the little ones that have had trauma and that's all of us as adults you know we are adults often walking around with you know our own young inner child trauma stories and we all need that safety in that container to feel to process what we need to process and to feel what we need to feel so well thank you I take that as a huge compliment. Yeah. I always. <laughs> feel yeah. if someone cries in my presence, I'm like, I feel very honored that you feel safe enough to do that because we do need to feel safe enough to let our feelings out. So thank yes. you.
0: Uh, well, let's start there. Cause we I was just about to like go on this tangent, like, yes, wounded children and <laughs> that's my siblings that like all the things. But this is what I, you, you said like a word on the last, or I remember reading your bio out and, and you have come from like a big passion of yours that you had fallen into was birth trauma. Mm. And I am not a mum. So I think this is also a really powerful, I don't know, I felt really empowered and passionate and excited to be a voice and a woman that brought you into this podcast to have this conversation. Um, but I have, so many friends. I'm in fact, the only woman in my world of mm. close inner circle or external circle who has yet to have a child. Mm. And the conversations that I have had over 10 years now, of watching my girlfriends and friends and sister, um, oh my God, my, sister's birth far out that i mean anyway we can go there um but (laughs) it's one or both right so it's you know i've got Mm. my best friend pk who's super passionate Mm. about this as well Mm. who had the most empowering magnificent Mm. empowered home birth Mm -hmm. um and then i've got my sister on the back end who had a Mm. traumatic 33 hour delilah was Mm -hmm. born dead um Mm -hmm. she was 19 just Mm -hmm. completely fucked up birth and and then every birth in between. Mm. And so when you're like, yeah, I'm really passionate about birth trauma, I was like, we Getting
1: you
0: on, and we're having a chat.
1: Mm.
0: So, where do we even begin with this, Lael?
1: Well, look, I want to start by saying, you know, I did, I have worked in birth for close to 18 years now, and um, I came to work in birth because of my own birth trauma. So, I have a 20, nearly 21 year old son, and I was a bit like his sister. I was young, I was very naive. I went into the whole birth experience going, How hard can it be? I had my mum with me who'd had three cesareans, I had my best mate who didn't even really know what a uterus was. And my <laughs> and my husband, who had no clue, did no birthing classes, nothing. I thought that if I burnt essential oils, yeah. I could just have a natural birth, right? Like the naivety, I mean, I look back at 24-year-old Layla, I just want to hug her and go, oh, yeah. honey, like I had no idea. None of my friends had kids. And so, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And a bit like your sister, I ended up with a really interventionist birth. I had every intervention. You can, you know, you can imagine the induction, the gas, the perthidine, the epidural, the the vacuum extraction. I came out the other side with a healthy baby, so my son was okay. And and I just sat there for days going, what the hell just happened to me? And mm. as I look back, I realized I had pretty intense PTSD. I relived his birth. Every time I'd breastfeed him, I'd go over the same piece of the birth again, again, and again. Um, I became hypervigilant. I became. I, I. started to display all the signs of real trauma. And because of that, I think I probably spent the first year of his life in shock. Like I just still could not make sense of what happened. And I would try to talk to people about it, but they're like, but you sound fine and you're fine. And I'm like, Like this can't be enough that just my son is healthy and that I'm relatively healthy, which means I can get up and walk around and I can breastfeed. But I was not okay, and I I had no idea what had happened to me. And unfortunately, my story is the story I have heard hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And so when I um I got pregnant with my second, I knew I had to do it differently. And for me, I thought that was just going to a different hospital. But um, I managed to come across amazing woman that I did some birth debriefing with who then kind of opened up why perhaps my birth went the way it did and then that led me on to getting some more education, finding a care provider that I really trusted. I found this amazing, beautiful midwife and a, a doctor. And I choose, chose to have my second baby at home um, with a midwife and a doctor. And, you know, it was still challenging. It was still hard. And, you know, I, I labour long. And I, I'm not one that particularly loves um, moving my body, which is what you inspire me about, Anna. Every time I see one of your posts, I'm like, yep, I love my body, move my body. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> I, I have so much great inspiration from you. But I have... These long labors, which really are about endurance and working, and you know, I have to face myself in it, and it's huge. But anyway, I, I gave birth to my beautiful um, second child, a daughter. And the moment I gave birth to her, I held her in my arms. And the thought first that I had was, This is what it's meant to feel like. I felt the greatest sense of elation I had ever felt in my life. I felt like I was a fucking superwoman, like I had not only run a marathon, but I had climbed Everest at the same time, and I was just the most powerful creature on earth that's how I felt and I remember holding my baby in my arms going whoa this is what it is maybe meant to be like right not the trauma and what had happened to me so that's actually what got me working in birth because I had such a profound experience I was like I want to know more I want to help women to have powerful birth not that that meant they had to birth at home I just want them to Mm -hmm. feel powerful and so then what I did is I actually because I love you know talking to people I did a big research project for probably a year where I went and interviewed hundreds of women on their birth stories. So I got my little pen and paper and my little recorder and I'd, you know, put my baby on my, in, you know, in the sling and I would go up to women at the park and say, would you be willing to tell me your birth story? I'm just collecting research. And every woman wanted to tell their story. There was not one that didn't want to tell them me their story. And what I learned from listening to those hundreds of stories was fascinating because I really began to understand what it was was missing for women in birth, why some women felt traumatized, why others didn't. It was incre- it was really incredible to begin to hear and learn about what was going on for women. And then at the same time, I was training to become a doula and a childbirth educator. And that's what really propelled me into working in birth. And then I um, learned calm birth and taught calm birth for a long time. But because I kept... Um, Talking to women's stories, I just began to see how much how much birth trauma existed and how women did not have the support they needed, not only in pregnancy, birth, but particularly postnatally as well. And then the impact that then had on parenting, which then led me to working with babies and children and trauma and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, what I guess I, I discovered or what we look at when we talk about birth trauma, tra- birth trauma is, you know, it can be many things, but it can often be the grief or loss for an experience that we'd hope for. It can be being treated badly in a situation. It can be in great fear because you are worried about, is your baby going to survive or not? You can have an enormous fear or... Feel like it was traumatizing because you were scared about what was happening. You didn't know. I mean, the general thing is if you felt, um, you would, tr- if you felt traumatized by birth, you were. You know, There's no necessary guideline that says, well, this has to happen and that has to happen for you to have birth trauma. If you feel that what happened to you wasn't okay, if you feel that um, you you feel so upset when you think about your birth, then odds are there's probably trauma there. And and what's interesting, and look, I don't even think these stats really reflect it. They say one in three women um, have birth trauma. Um, They say two thirds of those women from those one in three uh, have that birth trauma, which they feel was caused by the care providers. Who looked after them? Six uh, percent of those women who have who have birth trauma will meet the criteria for PTSD. So, and and if we look at Australia, that's around about twenty thousand women in Australia. But I actually think it's more because I think a yeah. lot goes undiagnosed. And so I know for me, like, you know, if we're looking that the stats, say one in three women feel like they've had birth trauma, I look at the hundreds of women I interviewed, and I would say it was closer to 70 to 80% of women felt traumatized by what happened in their birth. And sometimes it was because they didn't understand what happened, so they, they didn't have a good understanding of the system. For some women, it was because they weren't educated and they didn't know what was going to happen in their bodies, and so that was a big shock for them. For some, it was about risk, you know, something might have gone wrong, and therefore it felt really terrifying is my baby going to be okay for some it was because their baby wasn't okay and they weren't okay so I think the thing is to remember that it is so there is such a vast array of experiences that women have in birth no two births are the same but a lot of the themes are the same and that is what we look at when we're looking at birth trauma is there's some key elements that often turn up for most women around what that what that felt like for them
0: I just wanna take a pause because I'm of course sitting here emotional and I think hearing those statistics and I I agree with you. I heard them and I'm like, no. I mean, if I took just my my own friendship group and did that statistic on them, it's wrong already, right? One yeah. is, no, no, it's two thirds,
1: yeah. right? So yeah.
0: I know where women listen to these podcasts. That it's in the car, it's on a walk, mm. it's in the gym. Yeah. And I feel like for so many women just right now Mm. hearing your voice say if you feel that you had trauma in birth then you did and I feel Mm. like for so many women potentially for the first time they feel seen and heard Mm. just Mm. alone so I just want to you Mm. like if you're listening and that's you then we honor you and Mm. like you are seen and you you are heard and we believe you and you I think yes. that's such a big thing I think for so many women I know for me even with other things it's like you grow up and you just you don't think you're going to be believed or all these things or because it's what even is fine or I'm okay or pizza, yes but your child is healthy or yes you know, but it was just a tear or yes come on you know the doctor had to do that those yes. kind of comments I think are so damaging and we do our Absolutely. best with what we know but Yeah. You were seen, and yes, were, and you were heard,
1: yes, I think that's beautiful that you say that, Anna, because it's so true because the amount of women that I've counselled who've sat there, and when they've told me their story, and I just I say to them, "I am so sorry." that happened to you. I am so sorry that you weren't supported in the way you needed. I'm so sorry that you weren't listened to with what you were trying to say. I'm so sorry that you went into like a shutdown because you couldn't, you know, you couldn't move because you had to go into this fight or flight freeze, you know, response. And when women hear that, that there is empathy and compassion for what they went through, again, the tears come and they actually feel seen and heard because, that the common narrative in our culture is but your baby's fine mm-hmm. and so you're fine and we should be grateful that you have a live baby. But I think we should ask for more than that. We, we <laughs> should demand more than that. This is not just about that we are physically okay. We emotionally, mentally need to be okay <clears throat> because parenting asks us... To turn up in the most profound way. And if you have to start parenting from a place of trauma, it is hard. I know it is hard. I have been there. Mm -hmm. To then have to be, you know, feeding, taking care of a newborn baby when you've had this massive experience that you often don't understand or that people aren't giving it the space to be heard, then that is really tricky. Like I used to joke in my birth classes we should give birth and then go away for a week on our own with (laughs) counseling and support, process what happened. Then come back and look after your baby, right? Now, that's not ideal because we need all the other stuff. (laughs) But that's the extent to what some women need, the unpacking of the story and the holding. And some women, and this is well documented as well, who talk about their birth trauma, they equate it to having witnessed someone being murdered or feeling sexually violated being robbed or having experiences that we as a society would go, yeah, that's really traumatic. You might need some support around it, but we don't pay the same um, kind of we don't we don't give birth trauma the same space to be seen and heard and processed as what we do to other traumatic life events yet for some women it is one of the most traumatic experiences that they actually have and so this whole narrative around birth and I mean a lot needs to change with birth in our our culture and our country you know our birth system is quite broken I believe you know, we can go into why and all that in a minute, but I think there needs to be a whole lot more understanding and holding for mothers and fathers. And again, and partners, I really want to flag this too. Um, Partners can often feel um, traumatised by birth as well. I'm, I've worked with many, many partners who, having witnessed what their their partner has gone through, having witnessed what their um, loved one is, is having to experience, that is traumatic for them as well. So I think that, you know, we need a whole lot more conversation around what happens in birth.
0: Yeah. And I'm like, let's make this a series. <laughs> let's bring you back every week. Um, no, 100%. And I remember from uh a younger so I would have been just before I left Gold Coast really I was I I had a beautiful chiropractor in um Perth over in Perth Dr Taylor Vag and she was a doula before she was a chiropractor still very passionate about birth as well and I remember we used to talk a, a little bit about it and she said to me you know her her office was always quite dark and um her sort of practice room and I remember one time saying oh Taylor Dr Taylor I just feel so calm when I come in here and you know it's just so nice and she said you know though that's you can always like and we started to talk and I'm like I think I'd like to birth like the like I'd want mm-hmm. it dark mm-hmm. and she said babe you if you you got to ask for that and I'm like mm-hmm. really but if you're in hospital I just knew nothing mm-hmm. and I remember she said no Anna if you have to you know if you if you choose a hospital when and if it's your turn she said you you know, she's like, "You, there's so much you need to learn. But she said, you can ask for the lights off and they mm. must keep them off. You mm. can ask for the machine noises to be turned mm. down. You mm. can make damn sure that the doctor mm. has to ask permission mm. before they, you know, put their fingers in you to check mm. dilation. And I got really emotional and I was like, I didn't know this. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. any of that. I just thought once you entered, for example, and I mean, I know there's, we're doing we're getting better like there are now so like a lot of girlfriends went to hypnobirthing and there's so Mm. much there is more birth empowerment out there but we are still a long way Mm. off and I do think there are women I know one of my best friends didn't even know that I remember Mm. saying to her you know you can ask for the lights off because she had to go to hospital She's mm. like, really? Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I just thought the nurses because they would turn them on. It's like, no, mm-hmm. this is your
1: birth. Yes, yes. Look, everything you're saying is, is is spot on. And I think we are the product of, again, the media on some level and we are the product of not living in community like we should. Mm-hmm. So if we look at many, many years ago, as women, we would have gone to our sister's births, our cousin's births. We would have seen our auntie's birth. You may have even seen your mum give birth. And we, and birth maybe would have been women's work, where we realise there's really important factors, which is support, which is safety, um, which is education to help us understand what's happening in our body. You know, there's some of the key factors that help women to feel safe and then to trust their bodies into birth. But what's happened is we've become a culture that is so disconnected from each other. As we get most of our information from the media. So whether that's watching a television show, whether that's learning about birth by watching Grey's Anatomy or any other medical show, and this is what I always used to say in my classes, every, rep, most, and I'll say not every, but most representation of birth that we watch, whether it's in the movies, on television, or in the media, is about drama and about danger happening in birth. We never see women stand up and roar their babies out with empowerment. We, we see um, depictions of a mad panic racist. To the hospital, a partner being hopeless, you know, she, she's screaming at him going, you know, you did this to me, her on their back pushing, medical professionals coming in saying something's about to go wrong, you know, the baby's about to die, mum's about to die, full emergency, off to have a cesarean, thank God we saved the day, right? That makes for good television drama. Mm. And that's what we watch over and over and over again. And whether we know it or not, subconsciously that lands in our, in our minds and then that's where we believe birth to be dangerous, we believe birth to be um, high risk. We believe birth to be um, terrifying and scary and that we need someone to save us to help us have our babies. Now, I know that because I have taught thousands of people about birth, right? And one of the first questions I always ask them is, You know, if you could write the script of your ideal birth, what would it look like? And the majority of the answers of this, I just want it to be safe. Mm -hmm. And I go, okay, so the first line we're saying is it's going to be dangerous. And I was like, we have to come back to going, yes, there is a risk with birth, but birth is as safe as life gets, which means there is a risk walking across the street, right, and being hit by a bus our bodies are designed to birth, like mother nature didn't get it wrong. Now, I really want to stipulate, we do need, and we are so blessed to have the interventions and the support we need for those um, incidences that are high risk or where there are emergencies. But in my experience, a lot of women end up in those situations that are deemed high risk that don't necessarily need to be there uh, because of our system, because of lack of um, the education that we give women, and also because of the lack of support women have. in labor. And, you know, it's a classic thing when we talk about, when I help women understand what happened in my birth, right? What happened in that, where I felt traumatized. It often always comes back to a few different reasons. So one of the first ones really is the place you choose to birth. And I think this is something where education is really, really important. If you want a natural birth, which means you want to birth without drugs, perhaps you want a water birth, then choosing to go to the hospital that has a 50 plus percent cesarean rate and their epidural Stats around about 95, 90. Six percent. You getting the birth you want there is highly unlikely because the care providers who work at that hospital are, are doing a wonderful job, but they are catering to what the demographic, de- demogra- sorry, the demographic asks for, which is I want drugs and or I want an elective caesarean, right? So walking into that place, you are not necessarily going to get what you want. If you are choosing to have a natural birth and you want to go with an obstetrician, we have to remember that obstetricians are surgeons. They are trained in high risk birth. They are not the experts at normal natural birth. That's what midwives are the expert at. And so I think the key thing is that for women, because again, we have a culture that's been so conditioned to believe that birth is dangerous. We go, well, I need to go to a hospital and I need to have a doctor and all those kind of things. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. This is so much about your own personal choice and what you want, but we have to dig a bit deeper to look at how the system works because our system is quite broken when it comes to birth. And we are very much about... Uh, like many things, money. We're about power. We're about, um, you know, not necessarily supporting women and giving the care that, that we they deserve and need, but we're about numbers, statistics, all those kind of things, like a lot of other aspects of, of the world that we live in. So if you firstly are thinking, well, what do I want for birth? If I wanted a normal natural birth, well, then what statistically, even if you look at the stats, it will say your best chance of having a normal natural birth is to have one-on-one continuity of care with a midwife, right? That is what is statistically is going to help help you achieve that. Now that doesn't guarantee you're going to have that because there's many other factors that come into birth, which is, you know, the baby has a say, the baby's like, well, I'm going to be, I choose to be born this way. We can do everything right. And then the baby has its own agenda. Uh, Sometimes our body is telling us there's a whole different story, right? There's no guarantees within it, but what we look at and what I often come back to is what we want women to feel is no matter what unfolded in their birth, they felt supported, Mm -hmm. they felt seen, they felt heard and they understand what happened. So, that at the end of when they have given birth however that looks whether it's cesarean whether you know it's a water birth whatever it is they come out the other side and they say that was an incredible experience right and you know for me and I I will come back again in a minute because there's so much to share around this around the other factors that make for positive birth but for me when I had my third baby um, you know I'd been working birth for a long time I'd planned to have you know another natural birth at home My baby had completely different ideas. And early in labor, I discovered that she was breech um, and my midwife's like, you know what, I think we might need to hop off to the hospital. So she was also a footling breech, which means her little feet were sitting there on my cervix, not not a nice little juicy bum. And we get to hospital, we have an ultrasound, they're like, your baby's breech. And you know, straight away, they said, you should have a cesarean. And I I said, well, look, I've birthed two babies vaginally. I would really like to give this a go. I know for me that if I choose to have a cesarean right now, I'm always going to wonder." if I could have birthed my babies, and so they and you know look and i I knew about birth, so I had a lot of education. Um, I had my midwife with me who was amazing support, I also had my uh, my birth partner Jules who 's a doula who we 've got our business together. I had a team of people who are pretty solid with me and I still felt coerced and bullied into having a cesarean right there and then right and I'm just like I know what I'm asking for I take full responsibility for it I want to be here with the support of your team to make sure that everything's okay but I need to see if I can birth my baby so then I spent the next 14-15 hours walking up and down stairs, doing every single trick I knew in my book to help my body work and dilate and all the stuff and um, after a really long time you know we got to the point where I was like this baby is just, I'm presuming she wants to be born by cesarean because I have tried everything I could possibly know and do to birth her, and and then I finally made the decision. You know what? I'm ready to have a cesarean, and I'm going to make this the most beautiful cesarean I can have. Or this is, and I asked for I would like it to be this, and I'd like it to be that, and I asked for a whole lot of other things. Now, what was really powerful for me in that experience is, you know, having a cesarean was not what I thought I was going to have, and I really have had most birth experiences within my three kids um that what i learned from that experience is that no matter what happens i i had choice mm. and i spoke what i needed i felt supported and the decision then came from me which was what was really powerful and important for me which is what i never felt like i had in the first birth i didn't know i had choice i didn't know i could ask for different things so there was a real shift and difference between being knowledgeable having the education having the support so that even though my daughter chose to be born by cesarean because really when she came out I looked at her and I thought you know you cheeky (laughs) like you knew what you were doing all along and I have to say she's now 13 she is still exactly the same she does it her own way it does not matter if I think it should look a different way she's like nah this is my story I'm doing it this way and I feel deeply grateful for her birth and hers is probably the birth I'm the most proud of of all three of my kids because it asked me to surrender on a deeper level. It asked me to let go of what my idea was of what I thought perfect birth should look like and actually really trust what my baby needed in that time which is what she needed. Now I think that experience taught me so much as a practitioner because it really again helped me to understand that that sometimes birth is going to take a detour and sometimes things are going to happen. But it's how we are treated as women, as a birthing mother, when that happens, that makes the difference between whether that becomes a traumatic event or not. Now, sometimes medical emergencies are traumatic because they just are. And no matter what we do, that's going to feel like that. And, you know, there's ways that we can then work to heal with that. But what I have witnessed also with working with women in birth is that when we take the time to check in with them, how are you feeling about this? What do you want this to look like? How can how can we support you more? When they have that tenderness, that care, that support, the time to breathe and make sense of what's going on, it makes a massive difference, not only for their nervous system, it makes a huge difference for their mind understanding what it is and knowing that they have choice. And that's huge.
0: I love this so much because I... There will be so there'll be thousands and thousands and thousands of women and people, but women that listen to this, finding themselves at some point in your story. So be it the the first traumatic birth, the second beautiful, you know, they were all beautiful, but like the mm-hmm. second um, one that was at home, all the things, and then mm-hmm. the third where, and I do think as well that is one of the most powerful stories because the mm-hmm. third where you had you were educated, empowered, you knew what you now wanted, you were in it. And then had to go to, choose to go to the hospital, get to the hospital, but you still knew that you could have a voice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where that a, a lot of the trauma does come from because you are scared and malt always says it's coming. Um, I think doctors don't mean to, and they do mean well. I've got two stories I want to share um, to give voice to everything you just said as well from in terms of propaganda, media propaganda and um, money in medicine, um, but it's almost that like inferiority of like, well, what do I know? I'm just a mother that's about to be fucking Wonder Woman and mm-hmm. give birth to a human. Um, but what do I know? Because they're the doctor; they know better. Bullshit. I sometimes I think bullshit. Like I'll say it because I I can. I just I'm not unapologetic, but often. Yes, okay, they're they're in that position of superiority. But they also have different agendas insofar as recently a girlfriend, a beautiful girlfriend, a little bit older as well, so my age I suppose, um, was giving birth, pregnant and giving birth here on the Gold Coast. And she was, was, I won't give too many details, but she was explaining to me, she was so excited, you know, had her doctor and um, was saying how, her doctor's really proud it was a female. So I thought, oh, that's good. I'm thinking, well, that's good. And she said, you know, um, she has a hundred percent no tear rate. Um, And I said, oh, that's not really here or there and good for her and sort of thing. And I said, okay. And she said, but she said that if I don't give birth by week 37 or 38, I think it was, then it's cesarean. And I was like, but babe, how do you feel about that? And she's like, well, I'm just not sure. And I said, okay, well, do you feel like you have a choice in this? Cause I fucking know she did. I'm like, of course you do. Right. But right. She said, well, I don't know. Like she's my doctor. And, and anyway, we had this huge conversation around you, you get a choice and mm. this is your body and your baby. And mm. you get to say when, when, and if this cesarean happens anyway, mm. Long story short, she went back in and way, far more empowered and, and felt more kick-ass and almost didn't have a, an argument with the doctor, but it became this thing. And I said to her, you know as well, babe, that it is still money for them because if it's a caesarean, sadly, it is anesthesi- um, anesthesiologist, it's key to them, it is, a, it's a, it is money as well at the end of the day. So she went in and she kept saying to the doctor, can you just tell me why then? Can, because hang on, my baby is safe until, until it's ready to come out really. And I'm under medical care. So it's not like I'm not ultrasounding. And the doctor actually, could, so her female doctor just wouldn't say, it. and I'm like, it was money. I'm, em, I'm, i oh, I was like, it's money. Like, and so anyway, she ended up having her beautiful baby girl at like 40 weeks naturally in her cho- chosen sovereignty, badass birth, like all the beautiful things. But she would have been coerced essentially just not knowing better two weeks earlier to have a cesarean birth for no reason there was no medical reason so it's so (laughs) that's one story and then the second story I want to offer is that for a long time I have been saying just from witnessing my own girlfriends and learning that I know what I want if I choose to have a baby and it will be a natural home birth that's what I want that's where I feel safe and with full you know, if anything happens, there's and tons of hospitals, all the things. And Morgues was always very against it. He's always been science facts in a sense, right? He's like, no, the medical profession says it's unsafe. There's just no way I would ever let my wife, like you're my concern until that baby's born. So we've always really butted heads over. It. And I've just kind of just shut up because I thought when it's time, fuck you, I'm, you know, my body. So, and then this miraculous thing happened called COVID. So forever, doctors and hospitals have pushed the narrative. And I know this because this has been my experience, and Morgan, who seeks this information out, saying home births are unsafe. You, sh- you need to have it in a hospital, predominantly. That's the, the hospital propaganda and narrative. And then COVID happened and they couldn't women couldn't birth at hospitals. They held them back and said, And then all the propaganda, I've got it, I saved it, was, hey, guess what? It's really safe. You absolutely can birth at home. And this overnight, and guess what? Women started to and they were safe and it was okay. And Morgan, in his humble power, actually stepped back and said, holy fuck, babe I have listened to them forever saying how unsafe it is and how wrong it is and how you're just like a woo-woo witch basically and he's like overnight they turned around and said actually it's so safe there was a I've got it there was like a pdf on like how safe home birthing is and how wonderful it is and all these things and so Morgs was like oh my god like turns out I should have just let you trust in your <laughs> intuition the whole time but this is the level of like this is what I wanted to say on the podcast because I'm like and ima- that imagine that for you as a woman had had believed that for so long well it's not safe and so and then the husband doesn't feel safe for you so looks up the propaganda no no you mm-hmm. can't because it's and mm-hmm. then they just chose overnight to go, which is the truth. So they mm-hmm. they finally told the truth mm-hmm. that no, you're badass, and that mm-hmm. you, of course, you can, and it's safe.
1: Mm-hmm. But,
0: and this, so this is where I'm like, birth culture needs to change in our nation. Ah.
1: And for me, the first piece of that is education, without doubt, because. And, again, this is the irony of it. Like our hospitals, again, they're just, you know, they're doing the best job they know how. And I say this to women all the time. Like the people who work there, they work in birth, all that kind of stuff, they they want a healthy outcome. Like we all want the same thing, but how we go about it is different. And you are right, statistically, and and the research has been done that for low-risk women, so I'm talking about low-risk right, women, home birth is just as safe or even safer than birthing in a hospital. And there is a lot of reasons why. One is that continuity of care. You are getting to know a care provider through your whole pregnancy. That builds trust, that builds safety. That means that when you are in labour and something's going on, you have a relationship with that person that then says, you know what, I think we need to transfer to hospital or I'm concerned about this. You're going to listen to that person because you trust them. It's not just a random person you've met that's there on the day of your birth right um you know the other thing we look at is women we are mammals and exactly like animals what we need to birth what we need in order to birth wells we need to feel safe we need to feel unobserved we need mm-hmm. to feel not watched right and we look at you know and, and I often used to explain this in my birth classes When birth, the way we make the baby is the way the baby comes out, in the sense of what we need in order to have an orgasm or to have sex, right? Especially for women, we need four things that usually happen for our bodies to work well. So if I was to say to a woman, okay, um, you know, how do you have your best orgasm? So most of them will go, well, I need to feel relaxed. I need to feel safe. Um, I need to feel like I can take my time. I need to feel like I'm not being watched unless that's your weird thing, but (laughs) most of the time it's like, we don't want an audience. Um, I need to feel like I have control over what's going on. Right. And so when we look at what are the hormones that we use in order to birth, we have, um, oxy, sorry, in order to have an orgasm is oxytocin. It's adrenaline, it's endorphins, prolactin, right? These are the four kind of main hormones that work when we have an orgasm, right? They are what helps us reach climax, feel the wonderful rush, and then we relax into bliss, right? So what's interesting is it's the exact same four hormones that are activated in a woman's body when she births. We have oxytocin, which is what creates contractions. We have endorphins, which is what makes us feel spaced out and relaxed and soft so we can rest in between contractions. We have adrenaline that peaks at the time when we're getting ready to birth our babies. It gives us this huge rush in the second stage of labor. So we've got energy to be upright and to be like, oh, you know, grunting my baby out. And then we have prolactin, which is makes us bond and fall in love with our babies. So what's interesting is, you know, when we look at what is the environment a woman needs to activate that natural sense in herself when it comes to having an orgasm, most of the time she needs a quiet, private environment, right? So if we said to a woman, okay, I want you to walk into this hospital room with bright Lights strangers and have an orgasm, she'd be like, uh, No, I can't do that. <laughs> right. Whereas, what we do is Correct. we put women in environments, right, where their natural mammalian instinct is to be quiet, is to be safe, is to move into a dark space, is to feel supported with people around her that feel safe. That is what allows the hormones in your bodies to do the work that it needs to do to labor. Mm -hmm. But we put women in the opposite environments and we wonder why women find it really challenging. We wonder why their pain is so great, which it is, right? I know that. I've been in that experience. When you are laboring in an unsafe environment, your pain is going to be more because Mm -hmm. the fight and flight mechanism within you is going to go, this is not really safe. This feels really more intense it's much harder to relax and therefore there's such a greater need for pain relief mm. and so again when we come back to this to education when we understand okay how does a woman's body work best when it comes to birthing mm. well she needs to again come back to feeling safe which means she needs to be in an environment where she can trust what's going on she needs to have the right support which means she doesn't need somebody sitting there freaking out that something's going to go wrong. She doesn't need someone there coming in going, oh, this doesn't look good, or gosh, that pain looks really hard, or she doesn't need someone coming into her birth space saying, you know, these things are what's wrong. Because, of course, in that altered beautiful birth space, she's going to go, oh, shit, is something really wrong? Oh, my God, Mm -hmm. maybe this is not okay, right? So then she wavers. So support is paramount, and particularly when we talk about things like natural birth, you know, natural birth is it asks a woman to face herself emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, physically. It's one of the most epic things that we can do. And when we, again, understand the physiology of what happens in birth, the pain in labour is functional. It is not a bad thing. It is your muscles contracting to open up your cervix, then to allow your baby to come through your body. The pain in labour is actually magnificent. Now, we've been taught to believe as a culture that pain is bad, except for when it comes to sport, right? So you can, you, you're you going to love this, Anna, right? Yeah, I was like, gonna, get it to me. Get, yeah, yeah, right. So you know that working hard when you're running when you're cycling, when you're lifting weights, is your body working hard? And you know there's nothing wrong. You are just working hard. And so you work hard and then you rest and you work hard and you rest, right? So with birth, it is exactly the same. The mm. pain of labor, which happens for a net, for 45 seconds to a minute of a contraction, is your muscles contracting in a way that we don't usually feel. Mm. Now, because we have such an association with pain that it's bad, what often happens is that when we go into hospitals or, or and we can still happen at home, and when we haven't got the right education, when a woman starts working hard, particularly if her partner doesn't have this understanding, he's going to go, this isn't okay. Right. And oh my God, she's in pain. We have to do something. Right. But she hasn't broken her leg and she doesn't need morphine. She needs support. Mm. And so, you know, I, my first trainer, a teacher, the amazing Rhea Dempsey, who has written two incredible books, um, Birth Without Confidence, I can't remember the name of the second one, but I highly recommend um, Googling Rhea Dempsey and getting her work. You know, she was my one of my first birth teachers and she talked about what happens in birth is what we call a crisis of confidence, which is at some point at any time when we are working hard, right, whether it's we're cycling, we're running a marathon, climbing a mountain, having a baby, we are going to reach a point where we go, this is shit. I do not want to do it anymore, right? Now you would know this because it's yeah. a mental game, right? Now, there is a time in most labours for women, they reach that crisis of confidence where they go, I can't do this anymore. Now, the key point around support in this moment is that if you have people with you who understand birth and your partner understands it, at that moment when you go, I can't do this anymore, they are going to come in and go, we are going to hold you through this. It's the equivalent to if you are running a marathon and you're at the point where you're like, I can't do this anymore. And you look to the side to your support squad, right? And if your support Mm -hmm. team looked back at you with these eyes of panic and said, Anna, you should stop, like sit down, like take a break, right? You look like you're in pain. You'd be like, what kind of birth crew are you? I mean, <laughs> what kind of support crew are you? Like, where's the, come on, you can do it, Anna. You yeah. know, you can do it. Get your head in the game. Like, you know, we believe in you, you know, that would make you go, yes, I can do it. So when we hit that place in birth where we are reaching that Christ's confidence." And we look around the room in this panic. We look for what we often call the weakest link, which is Mm -hmm. sometimes mostly our beautiful partners because they love us. And we look at them with those eyes of, I can't do this anymore. And our partners look back at us and go, yeah, shit, you're right. We need to get some drugs or we need to stop it. And again, there's nothing wrong with drugs. I'm not against drugs. I think they have an absolute functional place in labour for sure. But what I have found in my experience of working with women, it is that moment where they reach that crisis of confidence. If they do not have the team of support around them, they will often move more towards that interventionist track, right? But when there is support around them, and this is what continuity of care does, whether you have a a midwife or a doula or someone who knows you, they know in that moment, that's where you're reaching. And then that's what they can help you work and support you through. So in all the stories I listen to, and often what would happen is A woman will go into going, I want to have a natural birth, but she doesn't really have the right education, doesn't have the right support. She gets into the hospital, things start getting hard, partner starts freaking out. And of course, then the only answer and option is to have drugs in that moment. And then she feels deeply disappointed that she wasn't able to birth naturally. When it wasn't necessarily, you know, that she couldn't do it. It's just usually the wrong support is there. The system's not there. Our hospital, you know, on some level, in some hospitals, it's much easier to have all women on epidurals because they're quiet and they don't require as much care than it is to have women working hard or labouring or getting in the bath or using the shower or using sound or breathing or all the amazing techniques that we've got. And I really, really, again, want to stipulate this. Natural birth is not, you know, this is you have to do it and then you're a woman. I have Some of the most powerful births I have ever been to are women that have had caesareans, are women that have been induced, are women that have had epidurals. This is not about there's only one way and that's how it should look. It is about what the power of birth is about sometimes facing ourselves, um, working through some of those hurdles, working hard and making choices that feel right for us in the time, but not making the choices out of fear. And again, I think this is what comes back to our culture of birth is that it is very hard, much like your friend who got told she should have a cesarean to stand up and say, hang on, why? Because. If we question what the medical system says, then ultimately what we're saying is, well, I don't care about what my baby or what happens to my baby, right? Because Mm -hmm. most of them are like, well, if you don't do this, your baby could die or something could go wrong. Now, what kind of mother is going to go, oh, yeah, well, I want to put my baby at risk, right? That's kind of the places we sit in. We either sit in, you know, um, I'll do what you say. Or if I challenge it, then I'm being seen to be a negligent mother because I'm saying there could be more. And so I think the piece of this is this is why we need to unpack our system. It's why we need to look at what really good support looks like in labour. And it's why we also need to come back to ourselves with so much compassion, if you have had Mm -hmm. trauma, to understand that when we feel threatened, we move into fight, flight freeze or fawn which means in labor how that looks or even if it's not you know necessarily in labor it's discussions before you're going to have your baby we will either go no if you I don't want to do that we move into fight which often doesn't work well for women in labor um, because it's huge adrenaline overload and often then they're labeled as crazy and we need something to calm you down the flight option often isn't a good one either because we often can't just get up and walk out of the hospital and run away, right? But that's often what a lot of women say they want to do. We will often move into freeze, which means we just disconnect and numb. And I cannot tell you how many times I've seen that happen. When a woman feels scared, when she just feels unsafe, she goes into a freeze response. So she'll often not talk. Her eyes will be pretty wired. Um, she'll just do whatever they say because she's just kind of checked out. Or the other one that we see lots of is the fawning response, which is where we then try to befriend the staff to make it be okay with what's happening Mm. so I have seen this so many times with women too that they will then move into how can I um, not make the doctor the enemy and and again I really don't want to paint a picture that doctors and all things are bad it's just it's situational right um that what they will do is then go okay that that's okay so um Often within that fawning response as well, um, you know, I've heard women say, I don't want to upset the doctor. I don't want to upset the midwife. And I'm just like, this is your birth. This is the one time you get to do this. It does not matter if you piss them off. This is just, this is their job and they are actually working for you, right? So you get to say what feels right for you and what you want. But again, because, and, and this, this, what happens in birth is also, it's, it's what happens most of our lives as women. Like this just goes on top of all these things that we have had to navigate our lives about protecting ourselves and not feeling safe. Yeah. So it is so understandable if we move into those places because we don't know what else to do. And I think when we are looking at women that have birth trauma, or if you are listening to this and you're like, that was me you know, what I want to offer you in this moment is just so much compassion and a big hug and just to say you were doing the best job you knew how. Mm. and it is the system that has let you down it is yeah. education that has let you down it is um it is seeing that women what they really really need to feel to birth is safety and that we don't prioritize that at all so if you did respond in those ways I want you to know that you are protecting yourself you were doing the best job you knew how at that moment and there is no fault and there is no blame but there is the option to heal from it and i think when we firstly begin to understand particularly when we have to process birth trauma that perhaps it was this the um Perhaps it was the system. Perhaps it was the lack of support. And again, this is not blaming, and I'll just say men at the moment because they're the majority of birth support. Um, our dads are doing the best job they know how as well. <laughs> they often walk in there and they're just as freaked out, right? So we're not giving them the support and education they need. Um, you know, it can be equally as traumatic as for them. Sometimes it is life and emergencies that happen, but all those experience or whatever your experience was, you know, I really want to offer you within that, that when we firstly begin to understand and unpack it, so when the mind begins to understand what happens then we take a step closer towards healing how that feels because it's not just the mind, it's the body as well mm-hmm. and we need to work at both in when we look at how we how we heal our stories. And
0: so it's perfect and beautiful that you went into that because I was going to say I feel like sitting here there's two really beautiful camps at the moment of women that are listening and it's me who is so empowered and so... Uh, just ready to know that I have a voice and like begin the process when it's my time. And even before that of educating myself, starting to look for ways that I would want to be supported. So there's that. So it's like, okay, I have more education and and, um, empowerment to go into any future births. Badass. But then there are the, the other camp that has had that, which is, you know, I would I live by the Pareto rule, 80-20. So, I, you know, let's say 80% of women, 70% of women that have already endured a traumatic birth mm-hmm. and they can heal. Where does that begin? Do they go to a mm-hmm. psychologist? Do they go mm-hmm. to a counselor? Do they sit yeah. down and go, yeah. I'm here for traumatic to to heal my traumatic birth yeah
1: so a few things um I'd really like to offer like the first thing um like we talked about i think in healing and and i'll talk about the mind and the body so firstly for the mind you know i think the first piece is is the validation that what happened wasn't mm-hmm. okay and that you did feel traumatized and just hearing that can make us go yes something really shit did happen or that's how i feel about it and yes i still love my baby and i'm grateful for my baby mm-hmm. but i also feel upset about my baby's birth and you're allowed yeah. to have both right so one of the first things i always say and i think this should be mandatory for every single woman that has a baby is to debrief their birth mm-hmm. and again, Again, this is what continuity of care does. You know, if you had a midwife follow you through your journey, you know, at that two week or six week mark, she's going to come and go, let's talk about your birth. And she's going to unpack it with you. She's going to help you understand pieces that went there. And because she was there, she's also got that understanding and holding to help you process what it is. Women do not get to unpack their birth at all in the proper way that they should. They don't get that birth briefing So I think every woman needs birth briefing um, And part of that say, is finding, yeah,
0: even now. So say, I've had a baby 10 years ago let's go extreme say I've had a baby 10 years ago and for the first time you've just given me permission and I'm crying in the car that I did have a traumatic birth and I still haven't had a chance to unpack
1: it yes Can I
0: even, like, I can still unpack that with someone today.
1: Yes, 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 yes. I have had women, I I remember interviewing a grandmother in the park and her son was 40 and she needed to unpack her birth still. And in being able to talk about it with freedom and have someone listen to it compassionately she was like wow I just feel like I let go a whole lot of stuff Mm. every year on his birthday I have that same feeling in the back of my mind of that was unfair or why did that happen to me so yes it is never too late never too late so when we're talking about birthday briefing you need to find the right person so I'm gonna do a big shout out to birth talk so you can um they are actually on the gold coast they're an amazing organization that really um talk about healing from traumatic birth. They've got a book called How to Heal a Bad Birth and um, they are an amazing organisation that can put you in touch with professionals who do birth debriefing. So, you know, for me, I'd say not just a psychologist unless they have a very good understanding of birth. um, You know, I think you need to talk to someone who does understand the system and who does have a really good understanding of it. So birth talk is a great place to go. There are a lot of um, postnatal counsellors out there. You know, often there's a lot of midwives who've retired and stuff who move into doing birth uh, trauma counselling, those kind of things. So it's finding a person that has got a good understanding of birth is a really good place to go. Um, One of the other things you can do for your mind is you can request your notes from your birth so that you can actually go through, again, with a, a health professional to make sense of what happened and understand if you still are unsure why these things happened. So requesting your notes can be a really, really important thing to do. Uh, doing something like writing your birth story can also be really powerful to just sit and write it how it was and not buy into, and and then, then I learned this and that was okay, but really just go, here's the whole story. Mm-hmm. And that in itself, you know, if that takes you days or weeks to do and you need to cry your way through it, that can be incredibly healing as well to just put the story down to to put it out there um i think sometimes we need a lot of listening time around it as well and so that's where somewhere like birth talk they do have groups where you can come and and there is a lot more online these days as well that we can do thanks to covid and zoom where you can be held in a circle where you get to debrief your story and it's witnessed and held by other women who've also had traumatic experiences you know i know after um my birth and even my third birth which was a cesarean you know, there was a whole lot of stuff that went on with it that I still needed to unpack. And so I needed to talk about it a lot. And I had a friend who, um, who was my listening partner and, and we had a bit of a deal that I said to her, whenever something comes up, can I just call you and just talk about that bit? And she was like, absolutely. And so, and just, you know, when something came up for me or when I had feelings around it, I'd either send her a message or I'd leave a voicemail or WhatsApp or a Voxer, or, or or I just ring her and go, can you listen to me talk about this bit for 10 minutes? And I just have to talk about a part that felt really hard for me. And I would cry and she would just listen and she wouldn't try and fix it. She would just Mm. listen. And so I got to over time, unpack little pieces of it um, that helped with my healing in in that time. Um, So I think, you know, firstly, we, you know, again, we need, our mind needs to make sense of traumatic experiences. We have to understand what mm. happened, why it happened, why I reacted the way I did, all those kind of things. So when the mind understands the story, it can help us go, ah, okay. But then we have to look at the body. Okay. Mm. Because body is, uh, so trauma is stored in our bodies and, you know, we can do talk therapy, which is fantastic, but we also have to let our body know it is safe to let go of that experience. So it's really important to understand too, if, if you're understanding what birth trauma could feel like, like what I want to, I guess, just flag is that how it can... Um, present is things like you can just feel disappointment or an emptiness. You can feel hypervigilant or your nervous system feels like it's on high alert. You can have a lot of anger towards your partner or the system, you know, if, um, you know, if something happened and I have seen a lot of women who've been very angry towards their partners for not supporting them or standing up in the way they needed. And again, what I say is those partners didn't know what to do, you know, so, but we can project a lot of anger onto that. You can feel completely numb. You can have a lack of confidence with your Baby, your children. You can have rejection of your baby. You could feel overwhelmed, depressed, confused, shame, postnatal depression, anxiety, sadness, flashbacks. Like they're all signs that we're carrying birth trauma, and that can still happen many, many years later. And for me, that is also again when we are responding in those ways it's saying the body is still holding on to the story the trauma and you know when we look at what trauma actually is it is often feeling unsafe in a situation that we have to respond to in that moment and we then don't have time to unpack so often what happens in birth because things can go pear-shaped sometimes quickly not often usually there's an indication if things are going you know a different way the whole Hollywood thing of like all of a sudden there's a, there's this what we call a true emergency is actually very rare I think in all the births I attended I think they had two true emergencies most of the time when something was going on there was a sign that it was going there but when we look at what happens with trauma what we see is that it is our bodies often responding um, our bodies holding onto that adrenalized shock oh my god this is not okay this is not okay and then we don't have the next step which is the ability to then move that shock and that shock often comes out of our body through shaking comes out through crying can sometimes come out through laughing the body doesn't get to finish the fight or flight response that it has in order to then let it go Mm -hmm. so what often happens is we have this shock or we have this trauma and it stays there and then the body works pretty hard to try and figure out ways to release it and and we our natural mechanism is through crying it can be through raging it can be through shaking it can be all those things anxiety yeah well it can be anxiety on some level is there's a fear there's stuff going on in my body that I haven't been able to move Mm -hmm. and so what we do again as a culture is we say stop crying or maybe you're cold because you're shaking or we do all these things to try and stop the natural response that our body's trying to move so what I look at as far as healing work is that we want to create safety for the body to move the trauma that's still sitting there so somatic healing which is really about with the body can be doing some breath work that kind of stuff can be really powerful in helping the body let go of the story body work like osteopathy i'm a big fan of Mm -hmm. osteopathy particularly cranial osteopathy can be amazing to to help work with bodies in moving stuff things like emdr um, which again is another really, it's quite a well-known trauma um, modality that can work. Um, TRE, which is a trauma release exercise, um, things where the body gets to move the what's happened um, so that it can actually then reset itself. Now, in saying all that, it's really important you or when you do body work, that you do it with a skilled practitioner who can make it really, really safe for you to move what you need to move Um, because we don't want to re-traumatise you again and we really want it to be in a way that can really help you gently and slowly. Things also like trauma-informed yoga, um, you know, focusing therapy, things that are really about how can we go into the story that happened and how can we gently let the body unpack what it needed to, where it didn't get to at the time. That can be, you know... And again, I'll come back to it's it's different for each woman and it's different for each partner as well. Um, it is about finding what works for you. And that's where, again, I come back to women going, trust your gut. Who's the person that feels good for you within this? You know, some people might just need to talk about it and that might feel enough. Others, they might need to do body work as well to help them move and unpack, you know, what's going on. But, you know, my invitation to women who are listening to this, to I would say to them, if you still feel traumatized if you still have lots of tears around this if you still feel that that what we're saying is like oh my god this is so right then I really invite you to go and get the support you need because you do not have to keep carrying it forward and it can have an impact on your relationship with your baby and with your kitties
0: 100 mm-hmm. oh <sighs> everybody take a breath wherever you are in the world listening to this right now let's breathe in I just feel like you honestly gave permission to thousands of women who have never felt like it's been okay or safe to say I had a traumatic birth even and I as you were talking then I was like it's just like everything I felt like there was a spectrum and I feel like we always put ourselves somewhere on it and for so many women when like it could have been a minor birth trauma you know the doctor I always think I've heard some of these stories you know the doctor it was otherwise a good birth but the doctor just really shocked you when he or she came in and didn't ask permission and shoved their fingers up there for an internal um what's the word like check examination yeah examination Mm. so that might have been not the only I think that's I think that's traumatic but that could be where you're at with it you know or there could be someone like my sister who had the um Delilah was born dead and had to get res- resussed and so i think for so many women they might hear that story and go gosh well mine doesn't count but it mm-hmm.
1: does yes yes Fuck. yes it really does it so does and i, I re- i'm really glad you brought it that point women can feel trauma from having a really quick 2 hour labor yes. right where it's all straightforward and other women would go oh my god you're so lucky i wish i had that yet for that woman who had that 2 hour labor like quick labors are intense man they're really full on um, that could have felt really traumatic for them. It is in the eye of the beholder. So yes. I, I love that you bring that up is that even if you uh, have a beautiful baby and even if, you know, you love being a mom and even if everything looks okay on the surface, you are still, there is still so much permission for you to feel that felt really scary or that felt hard or that I feel really disappointed or that was a completely fucked experience or whatever it was, right? You are allowed to to feel that and it is important that you own that it is important that that's heard and it's important that you do whatever you need to do to to heal that to make peace with that yeah. there's there's something I want to just say um I know we have to line uh, to wind up but um Peter Levine if anyone knows him he does amazing work on trauma and he's got some great books on that and I love this quote that I want to say because mm. I think this is what I offer to women who have had birth trauma And he says, I've come to the conclusion that human beings are born with an innate capacity to triumph over trauma. I believe that trauma is not only curable, but that the healing process can be a catalyst for a profound awakening. And I have to say in all my work over all these years, I believe that to be 100% true. That when we have the courage to lean into these really Tricky places, and this is not just birth. This is just perhaps how we were raised, or other things that happened. When we have the courage to lean in and and say yes to the healing, then incredible strength and power can be found within us that allows us to step into who we're meant to be.
0: I am leaving it there. <laughs> I will not offer another word because you are just such a permission bearer. You are such a container of safety for everybody, but I just find for women and I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. So I know you have a book coming out soon, which is
1: what? Um, Uh, It's about parenting, so it should be out in the next two months or so, but it is all about raising our kids with awareness and consciousness and, um, you know, and again, all the stuff that we've talked about today ties over into the next, you know, part of parenting. So, yeah, our book will be out in the next month or two.
0: So I'll have you back on if you'll (laughs) Um, no, because I, as you were talking, I've started to piece everything together today. I thought, do you know what? From the first conversation of just conscious parenting and how we're we're, we're walking around wounded children because our parents are wounded children, and our grandfather, grandparents are you know this sort of linear uh, lineage of trauma in that sense. Then we're birthing, you know. Then we're birthing with trauma, not always, but a vast majority. So there's imprinting, I'm sure, on that child. And then that child's growing. Like there's just, it's all connected. Yes. So it's been this like beautiful conversation with you Mm, of mm. conscious parenting and come on, Mm -hmm. we can take responsibility to heal Mm -hmm. heal ourselves. Mm -hmm. Then that second step of really deeply like that healing process of, you know you giving life to this world Mm. you know let's heal that for you Mm. and then then okay then how from that space and place can you go furthermore step into that really empowered conscious parenting and just heal the fucking world really
1: (laughs) So I think it's true. It just if we want to heal the world, it starts with how we raise our children for sure. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, I thank you, Anna, for giving me the platform to speak about this. I think it's really powerful. And one more thing I just wanted to say because we are talking about birth. There's an amazing documentary at the moment called Birth Time, and it's awesome. It's created by these great Australian women, which is really all about what we've talked about today. And I highly recommend watching it for any woman, even if you've had babies or not. It will make a lot of sense. And your friend PK is in it. I was like, yeah. I know PK's in it. Peter yeah. Kelly's in it. Yeah. Uh, where, where I know, but where do people yeah. find it? Uh, Google, just if you Google "Birthtime" the movie, it's showing in different places all around Australia, and um, I think people are putting on screenings and stuff like that. So Google it because yeah. you'll find it wherever you are. It's a really wonderful documentary. It's it speaks to everything we've talked about, and you watch it and you just think, oh, yeah, women, come on, oh. you know, we yeah. are we are amazing," and um and you know it's time for us to reclaim our power and our strength and, you know, move forward and, you know, say a big yes to, to who we are. Yes. Mm. You are
0: leading the charge in that, in a big Mm -hmm. way. I'm going to link, um, birth talk. I'm going to link birth time. I'm going to link all the, I'll go back and listen and pick up the, Mm. um, the people and the places that you've recommended, because I want Mm. women to know that they can come to this episode again and again and again, and find all the resources that they need to begin right, yes. to begin their healing process. So Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Lael. You were amazing. Thank you, darling. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, we both hope you got something out of it that you can use to challenge your own status quo. And if you liked what you heard, it would mean so much to us if you shared this episode on your socials to help us get our podcast out in the world. Don't forget to tag us as well so we can thank you personally. And if you're loving the conversations, leaving a review on iTunes, simply by going to the podcast, scrolling down and clicking leave review will help even more people find us too. And we would be so grateful. And until the next episode, we will always be cheering on your success.